Amen. You guys can be seated. Yeah, we can celebrate. Oh, man. Today we are concluding our series titled Label Maker. Over the last few weeks, we've been going through, and it's kind of the fact that we know as we've gone through life, there's been times where people have kind of pushed a label, and they've said, this is who you are. And sometimes it's a positive thing. Sometimes it's a, you're a basketball player, and that's who you are. And that's kind of nice, and it feels good until those basketball abilities start disappearing. And then when your image is closely tied to that, and you no longer have that that label, then you begin to ask, well, who am I? Sometimes the labels are negative. Sometimes it's rooted out of a failure, or sometimes it's a criticism, and and you feel like someone has labeled me, and it's a painful label, and the fact is, as people stick labels on us, it's not the right place for us to find our identity, and the fact is, God has written to us, and he said some very specific things in scripture that are true about how he feels about you, and what he knows about you, and if we believed what God believed about us, we would honestly live our life a little bit different. And so we've been looking at the labels that are in Scripture and saying, this is who God says we are. Do we believe it? Are we living like it is true? And so we're looking at that today. We've looked in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and today we're in chapter 3. So if you have your Bible with you, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to look at seven verses today. So, so hold tight. I know it's early, still getting the coffee in the veins. Uh, we're going to go through a chunk of Scripture here, but, but hang with it. This is an important word from Scripture. And this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. All right, as we look into this passage, I'm going to break it into kind of three sections to look at it and draw from it what God is saying about us. And as I began to look at this first section, there's a piece that just is kind of a side note in it, but it popped out at my mind and my heart as I was studying this passage because it just made me aware uh, of the fact that I, I often treat people differently based on how well I know them. And that might seem like an obvious thing, but it, as we go through interactions, it's funny how, how, how different we treat other people, these people that are created in the image of God, these people that are incredibly important to the heart of God. And I mean, just it, have you ever noticed raid, r- road rage happening before? I, I know that doesn't really happen in Cape Coral. Do, definitely hasn't happened in your car before. Um, but if you've ever been driving along and you see, you know, some drivers begin to act like toddlers with steering wheels, and, and you know, someone starts tailgating the other person, they start using sign language to pass messages back and forth, and you know, drive around in front of them, slam on the brakes, and you see that happening, and you're like, okay, stay out of the way of the idiots, but you kind of just chuckle and enjoy watching their anger get played out on the road, and, and you go on. That, that's one thing. You see that with strangers. But, you know, if you're driving your car and your spouse and your kids are in the other car and someone starts acting like an idiot on the road to them, I'm going to guess your, your, your interactions internally are very different when it's your family that's involved in some idiot tailgating them. 
And I, you know, this isn't very pastoral of me, but you're in church, you got to tell the truth. You know, when I saw that happening one time, my immediate impulse is, you know, I need to help that person back away from my wife's car by just nudging my car into the side of their car and helping them get off the road. That's just what I felt. It's not what I did. Don't worry. But I'm just saying, you know, that that protective thing steps in because, man, I care for them. I love them. I think about their future. I think about their well-being. And, and, and it's just true that when we have a more healthy love for another person, we, we, we consider their safety in a whole different way. We, we consider what's good for them. I, I would never pass my wife broken down on the side of the road with, with a flat tire. But it's a lot easy to be like, well, you know, my Starbucks drink will get cold. I ordered it ahead of time, and if I stop now, that would be terrible. So I just, I, I can't help. Someone else will help them. And I, and I go on, and I leave the stranger behind. Because it's just, we, we've created the, these weird walls. I mean, just even the issues of race. Uh, I just want to clearly say, you know, as Scripture teaches, and as it's just touched on in this, this verse where it says, every, from whom, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. It's this callback to the simple truth that every person, every human being, draws back to one family. And this isn't even just the spiritual God family, it's that we are all derived from one place. And whether it's easy for you to accept or not, whatever color, whatever nation, whatever language, we are all related to each other. And God calls us family members. And, And I believe that our world and our life would be a better place if we began to see people with the same kind of affection that we see our own family. And, and, and this isn't just a, about other people, but it's a fact about yourself as well, that, that God looks at you and he says, you are part of my family. And I, think, I believe that this is something that teaches us about the way that God sees us. It teaches us about the way that, honestly, we are important to God. Going on into the verse, in verse 16, it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches... That's our Heavenly Father, that out of our Heavenly Father's glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, now this passage, I understand that it's wordy. We don't talk like this too much, but there, there's just a couple pieces that I want to make sure we pull as we summarize what this section is, is, is pushing and teaching into, into our mind and our heart. Out of God's glorious riches, when we think about God's resources, we don't usually think that he's limited on resources. But the truth is that when he gives to you, he doesn't have less to give to anyone else. Whether we're talking about finances or whether we're talking about encouragement, when, when God is providing what you need for this day, for this week, he's giving it out of his riches, but those supplies never run low. God continually has what it is that you need. And, and as we are strengthened, in our inner spirit, it's interesting in verse 17, it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I just want to pause in that moment for a second, because as we've been in this series, the first week we talked about the fact that we are saints, that scripture calls us saints, that no matter how bad our life looks and feels right now, God says, if you have placed your faith in me, you have been made holy, and you are a saint. And then we looked at the fact that we are alive in Christ, that we were once spiritually dead, and this is the point of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. This is what the message that the church has to carry into our city, that we were once spiritually dead and we have been made alive through our faith in Christ. And it's not through our own works, it's through faith in him. And, And so there's that truth that we have been made alive. And when we place our faith in Christ, as verse 17 says, 
It's not that God just looks down on us with love now. He already loved us. But our relationship with him is so changed that verse 17 says that Christ actually dwells with us. And I want, to see, I want you to see the intimacy of this. This isn't a heavenly father who is far away from you, but this is him saying that my son is with you from the point where you believed. And not only are you part of my, my family now, but, but I am actually going to walk with you through the challenges that are ahead of you. It's not a question if you have gotten far away from me because I am going to stay with you. And when we look at these two pieces, it's just, I think the thing that stands out, that, that this is so elementary and this seems so basic, but sometimes it just kind of, it's like the tide pulling away the sand from the shore. It's, it just slowly gets eroded. This truth gets eroded from our mind. And the first truth that I want you to see in this section is that you are important. That you are important to God. That he calls you family. That when you place your faith in him, that he dwells with you. That he walks with you. That no matter what has happened in the past, no matter what mistakes you have made, that when your heavenly father looks at you, you are someone of significance to him. The comparison has been made that you can know how valuable something is by what someone will pay for it. Do you know that the heavenly father looks down and says, you are so valuable to me that I sent my son. There should be no question in your mind that when God looks at you, the label that he would take and he would say, this is always true of you, no matter what, is that you are important to him. God so loved the world that he gave his son. He so loves you that he sent his son to dwell with you once your faith was placed in him. Do you know that you are important to God? That God has a plan for you. And you you might feel like at this point, you know, I don't feel important to my family. God says you're part of my family and you will always be important. You may not feel like you've had help from people, but I believe that scripture teaches that God will help, God will strengthen, God will provide the resources that you need as you seek after him. And you might feel abandoned from other people, but God will never abandon you. You are important. You are important to him. And we see that in this first part of the passage. As it continues on in verse 17, it says that I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and how high and deep is the love of Christ. This first, there's two illustrations in that first part of the passage that I just want to quickly touch on. And the first one is that illustration of roots. And if you know the b- most basic thing about plants, you know, there's two main jobs that we see roots doing. And, and it says that we should be rooted and established in love. The first thing that we see roots doing right is, is that it, it gathers nutrients, it gathers water to feed the plant. And this is true of our faith as well, that if we lose the fact that love is what motivates and drives us in our faith, if we, if we move away from that over to rules, it's like our, our relationship with God and the way that we live our life, it begins to just wither up. If we get just possessed with, with, with holiness and just trying to follow every single letter of the law and, and we only focus on that and we lose sight of this amazing love that God has with us, we, we become like the Pharisees, like the whitewashed tombs, as Jesus described, beautiful on the outside, but just full of dead man's bones on the inside. The thing that feeds us, that helps us grow, that helps us demonstrate compassion to the world around us is being rooted and established with love, and we can't lose sight of that. The next thing that we see the roots doing, right, is that it holds the plant in place, that when the storms come, if it's well-rooted, it will survive the storm. 
And the same is true of our faith, that as we understand, God's love for us is so deep and so wide that we can't understand it as we hold on to the truth of his love. It prepares us to weather any of the storms that come through our life. Because the storms do come, the difficulties do come. But we need to be rooted and established in love. And just quickly on the established, you know, that, that, that's how our faith began and that's how it is completed. Not by our own works, but by faith in Christ and what he has done for us. And when it says that, we, that it's beyond knowledge, that it surpasses knowledge, this love, I, I just want to, I'm going to geek out here for a minute, so just hang with me if this isn't your thing. But, but I, I enjoy s- space and, and learning about the galaxies that are so far from us that we could never reach them. And, and when we talk about what's measurable and knowable, it, there, there's some interesting thing because the Apostle Paul is making this, this slight connection in the city of Ephesus, there was a huge temple to Diana, and it was, it was filled with beautiful marble. It was built out of it. There, let me get the measurements for you. It was 425 feet by 220 feet with 127 beautiful marble pillars, and it was 60 feet high inside. And so in this city, this was, this was what the city was known for, and it, it, was, it was considered to be this huge temple. And Paul is is just drawing in this high, how high, how wide, how deep. When we think about the things that we can measure and we can know now, like the, like the earth, it is considered, the circumference of the earth is considered 24,900 miles around. 24,900 miles, that's a pretty long walk, isn't it? All right, and so just kind of going to measure, if you can imagine 24,900 miles, but then times that by seven and a half, that distance would be how far light travels in one second. So seven and a half Earths, one second, that's how far light travels. We measure space in, in light years, which is how far uh, you know, light can travel in one year. And, and the universe is, as scientists say, it's believed to be ab- about 31, hold on, make sure I grab the right number here. 31, I'm sorry, I, I got ahead of myself. So seven and a half, Earths, that's one second, then place 31.6 million of those lines together, and that's one light year. The universe is believed to be 156 billion light years across. And so if, we, if you can just begin to think about how huge the universe is, and, and the fact that we have been able to measure and, and, and get this glimpse of just, just how far the ends are, that the universe, first of all, its origin God spoke it into existence with a simple word. And as big as the universe is, as hard as it is for us to fathom how wide it is, I believe that even that picture is too small of a picture to say this is how big the love of God is for you. And and I don't want you to just hear this and, and let it pass by because we hear and we think about God's love and yes, he's loving, but sometimes we just don't say, like, this is remarkable it is amazing that God's love is bigger than what we can understand. It's higher, it's taller, it's deeper than what we can know. We can maybe even know how big the universe is, how many light years it is, how long it would take a piece of light to get from here to there. We can maybe know that, but we still, even saying that big is too small to understand God's love. Not just for you, but for your neighbor. For, for the person driving alongside you, working alongside you at work, the people who surround you, God's love for them is tremendous. 
And, and that should encourage your heart some. That should be important. But understanding the love of God isn't just about intellectual assent. But it's the fact that when we understand God's love, it should change the way that we live a little bit. It, it should affect us. And, and I'm going to make up kind of a word here. It, it, in your relationship with God and the way that you live your life and who you are and who you understand yourself to be, when you understand the love of God to a deeper level, you get, here's my made-up word, a little bit freer. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's a proper English word. But the fact is, if you've walked with Christ for a while and you've had these moments where you grew in your faith, you knew that in those moments, maybe it was a moment of worship where it's, man, I just... I feel God's love, I understand his love a little bit more, and I'm going to lift my hands and I don't care what the people around me think. And, and there's times where, you know, maybe even y- y- you learn something and, and maybe even though we're a white church, you start to just get that little sway on a little bit. Or, or there's lots of different ways. And, and men in the room, sometimes we're a little hesitant to say, you know, I don't need to get more free because I'm already free. Well, m- you know, men, I would challenge you on this topic of saying, if you understood God's love a little bit, you would feel more free to do some things that maybe you don't always feel comfortable doing. But not, not just dancing, like, you know, with worship music, just even dancing with your wife. Like, is it easy for you to dance with your wife? Is it easy, it, men, if you're not sure that you need to get more free in some areas, is it easy for you to cry in front of another individual? Is it easy for you to talk about what God's doing in your heart? And you're like, shut up, Paul. Like, I can talk about that. I, I, I know, but I'm just saying, I just want to press into you that, that I believe that as we get a better grip on the love of God in our life, the love that God has for us, it enables us to live in a more free way where we can say, I can just be who God wants me to be, and I don't, I don't even consider what someone else n- next to me is thinking because, man, this is who I'm supposed to be. And I know that so many times worrying about what people around us think is what keeps us from taking steps forward in our relationship with God. And so, you know, God sees us as important. I believe that, that that's the first part of it. But do you know that you are loved? Do you know how wide and deep God's love is for you? Do you know that he, that he looks at you and he doesn't see your past mistakes? He sees his child that he dearly loves. He sees the plans and the vision that he has for you ahead of you in your life. And for yourself, when you understand that love a little bit more, I believe that it frees you up to live for him in the way that you wish you could if you were honest with yourself. All all of these passages, they, they connect love into power. May, may you have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp God's love. And, and there's this connection between seeing God's power and his love. It's, it's throughout all of these passages. And to verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now when it says he's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, uh, I, I don't think we, we, on the surface, I don't think we struggle with that because we know. We're like, yes, God, you can do things. You can do whatever you want. You spoke the universe into existence. You've brought people back from the dead. You've healed people who can't walk. You've given sight to the blind. You can do whatever you want. But I think there's part of us that just believes that God doesn't actually want to do anything in our own life. And and this is a struggle within the church that we believe that God wants to do these things somewhere, but not necessarily right here. And and 
and especially when we start to walk through a difficult season, we walk through some difficult things in life, we say, yes, I know that God does things other places, but there's almost this hesitancy to ask God, will you work in this right here, right in front of me? And the fact is, when we go through difficult times, I want to say those difficult times that we walk through are incredibly important times. And our faith in Christ, it doesn't exempt us from walking through difficult times, but it actually prepares us to walk through difficult times. Our faith in Christ, it sets us up so that when those things come, we know that, you know, our importance to God hasn't changed. God's love for me hasn't changed. We all have to walk through these different challenges. And the fact is, when other people see you walk through challenging times and they see you continue to honor God and live for God, it makes them say, what, what is going on? Because, you know, it, it, I'm going to just go, go to my happy place. I don't know what your happy place is. My happy place is north of Sanibel on Captiva, right out there on the beach where you can kind of look and you can see water on one side of the land, you see water on the other laying down in, in a beach chair with a nice cold drink with an umbrella in it and, and just, just relaxing. And that's my happy place. And if I was in the middle of my happy place sitting and napping on the beach, no one's going to come up to me and say, Paul, I don't know how you do it, man. Life is so hard. And how do, how do you survive sitting here and snorkeling at Captiva? Like no one, when we're in the great times, no one looks at us and says, how do you manage to keep going? But the fact is, it's in the difficulty times, as the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, I believe, uh, where he says, in, in our weakness is when God's power is, is best shown, is made perfect. That, that when we walk through the most difficult of circumstances, and, and we continue moving forward because our faith has not, has not been shaken because we know God is still with us, that's when other people look and they say, what is it that you have? Because I see you walking through that, and I think I would crumble, but what is it that has made you been able to weather that storm? And it's the fact that, that his power is made perfect in our weakness. It's the fact that, that yes, he is able to do things, and he does do them. And, and so when we prep for the storms of life that come, we, we know that we don't, have to wet, we don't have to worry because we are rooted in his love. And we don't have to question whether or not he actually wants to work in our life, that he actually wants to do something, because he's already been doing it before the storm hit. He's going to continue to work in our life during the storm, and he's going to continue to work afterwards. Don't miss this in verse 20. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. There's the implication that, that this power, it's already working. It's already been working. This power, this word, it's the same word that's used to describe the power that raised Jesus from the grave. This is the power, the Spirit of God at work in us that moves and creates and changes things. We know that God is not just able to do something, but He wants to do something. We know that, that He'll show up because even before the storm, He was already working in our life. The, the, the third thing that I want you guys to see, the third label that I believe that God would take and he would place on you is that you are able. And right now ahead of you, you might be looking at your job situation and saying, man, this feels, this feels hopeless. You might be looking at your marriage and saying, I don't know how to walk through this. This is too hard. 
There might be obstacles or difficulties. There might, be, there might be things that happened in the past that you just feel like still have a grip on you, and you might feel like, I can't do anything about this. And I want to tell you from the truth, from the Word of God, that He is able to work His strength out in your life to conquer whatever it is that you feel like has a hold of you, the, the stress that's ahead of you, the thing that you're worrying about, I want you to know that God says he is able to do more than you ask or imagine, immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. And that power is at work inside of us. Band, if you guys can start making your way up to the stage, I'm going to wrap up with this. Um, they're kind of in the area of power in our life. I think there's there's kind of three categories of people that you've probably seen before. You've probably seen the person who is like, they just, they just have no power. Like, they're just like, you know, uh, you know I, wish, I wish I could do it, but I can't do it. And, you know, I, I'd like to help, but I, I can't. And they just, they, they, they're just that person who just feels like they can't do anything. And I'll tell you, God does not want us to be that person. He doesn't want the per- us to be the person who feels like, you know, any obstacle that's in front of us is just crushing and we need someone to drag us over it because we have no sense of power in our life. We, we don't need to be that person to serve God. God is, that, that, that's not who we need to be. The opposite extreme is, is you know, you have that person who's like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start the day off and I'm going to run 100 miles uh, across the city with a refrigerator on my back and it's the person who's like, they just like self-power, like I'm just going to do everything by myself. And I'm going to figure it out. And, and, you know, I'm going to run across Florida so that I can watch the sunset before the sun rises. And it's, like, great for that person. That's awesome that you have that inside of you. You're not a normal human being. Um, There's that person who just thinks, you know, they've got all the power that they need, and they're going to do everything on their own. But I believe that there's there's a third power as well. And, you know, it's, it's great that you ran across Florida and watched the sunrise. You know, I didn't run. I got in a car and I drove across Florida to watch the sunrise. Um, I'm not depending on my own power to do it. I'm depending on an external power to carry me through, to bring me to the places that I need to be. And there's a third power that's a supernatural power, that, that we don't rely on our own strength. We don't believe that we can't do anything on our own, but we believe that God is a part of the equation. And the more that I personally understand God's love, the more it's obvious to me that he loves me so much he's not going to leave me off on my own. And his power will show up. And I believe that it plays out like this. That God's power showing up in your life is always connected to God's purpose being lived out in your life. God has a calling on you. The first is to be in a right relationship with him. Because when you seek after the kingdom of God, everything else you need is added. And so the first thing that I want you to consider is have you got your heart right with God? Have you placed your faith in him? Because when you pursue his purpose, his power shows up. And then once you've taken that step, he puts a vision and a calling on your life. And I believe that as you chase after that, time after time, his purpose, his power shows up alongside his purpose. It's not something you can separate. And so church, if you feel like you've been spinning your wheels, my my encouragement to you in your life is do you know what God's purpose for your life is right now? Are you chasing after that? Because when you live for his purpose, his power always comes alongside it. You are incredibly important to God. You are incredibly 
loved by God. And he says, you are able to do what I've said ahead of you because my power at work in you. So church, as a congregation, we move forward in this city chasing after the vision that God has given us to encourage and help the households and the families and the people of Cape Coral. We're doing that as a church, but you personally, I know that God has a vision for your life as well. Are you chasing after it? He has a vision for your family. He has a vision for your marriage. He has a vision for the joy that you wake up with in the morning. Are you chasing after it? You have a heavenly father who has great plans ahead of you. I encourage you, open your heart to him today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that your love is more than we could ask for. It's more than we can imagine. It's more than we can understand. And that when we get these glimpses of it, it sets us free.